Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another pleasant day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by James Strongman, Principal Mineralogist and Director of Petrolab. Petrolab provides technical support services to the mining, minerals processing, and minerals industries worldwide. James, hello. Hi, Matthew. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for coming on the show. We might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? Um, in terms of what we do with consultancy um, and our business, it, it's all about people. And in terms of leadership of those people, I think it's, it's about giving them um, confidence to, to take on the challenges of, of our consultancy. And how would you describe your personal leadership style? Um, I would like to think that they can see me uh, as someone who's very approachable. Um, the leadership style, I would say, is very much about um, trust and confidence. Um, but also um, with being approachable, you, you, you give that support back to them. That they, they, they take responsibility for the project they're working on, but they're, they're someone they can come to um, to bounce ideas off or to discuss um, some of their findings. So I think that's, that's what I see as being a leader in, the, in this business. And what inspired you uh, to take up this sort of leadership? Did you have a particular person early on in your career that you've modeled uh, your leadership style on? Yes. Yeah, most definitely. Um, funny enough, I, I actually started at Petrolab my journey here um, started over 20 years ago where I actually came in um, to the guy who set the business up, uh, um, Dr. Alan Bromley, who used to be head of geology at Campbell School of Mines. And this was sort of his retirement business, uh, essentially. And I just came to him to advice uh, for work experience. And uh, that was back in the uh, mid-90s. And then went off to university, did my master's and came back. And he offered me a job. And we continued to there until he retired. And then I took on the reins. And his philosophy always was to to blend that um, uh, knowledge of of actually having confidence in what you're doing and giving you a skill set so you can tackle uh, a, a range of problems. And, and our work is very varied, but having that base um, skill set and then really gives you the confidence to be excited about new projects uh, coming in. So. Alan, yeah, he was he was a, a big influence on the way I've I've tried to and together with John Fletcher, who's also a co-director of Petrolab, who how we've really tried to develop the business from what Alan started. And I would imagine that you try and impart this on the uh, younger generations who work for Petrolab. Oh yes, definitely. That it, we really have quite like a, a tiered structure. It's just a reasonably flat business, but we 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 have our senior consultants. Then we have our project mineralogist, and then the juniors coming in, and we, we have that try to keep that knowledge transfer and the flow of knowledge between the, all those those um, the guys at the different levels. So it's very open in terms of we like try to keep it that people um, feel free to ask questions, and we really do encourage that. Um, but also, we, we do like people to take on responsibility for their project, for their work. And we try to make sure that that's appropriate level to their experience. So um, we find that 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 has worked really well. And we're really, really quite proud of the team we've built. 
And do you have a specific mentorship scheme or is this really tailored towards the individuals? Um, it is. There's no, uh, let's say, yeah, no specific thing, although I have done some mentoring as well outside. Um, we, we have quite strong links with, with a number of academic institutions and uh, Camel School of Mines, the University of Plymouth, Natural Studio, where we will send our, our senior guys in to, to help mentor some of their students. We'll do work experience um, for students. We'll support um, projects because we see that link between research um, and industry as a key link and also that you know like I keep saying confidence it's it's about um, helping people to to build their skill set to to, um, take on new challenges Now what's the biggest challenge in leading such a large team? Uh, The biggest challenge is with consultancy it's um, and we're a growing business, so I think that's our biggest challenge: is 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 managing success um, of how you scale a business. I think for the last five years or so, we've been growing around twenty to thirty percent every year. Impressive. And scaling with consultancy, you need to bring on the right people. You can't bring the people in too quickly. Um, taking on the appropriate size project, I think that's been the, the biggest challenge: is actually keeping it sustainable in terms of the services we provide because we're really proud of what we we supply in the service compared to some of the larger consultancies who are competitors. We try to keep that sort of niche um, uh, service where, where the, our clients are getting um, that sort of personal service, if you like, compared to a, a more crank, crank the handle um, service you might get from a larger consultancy. Now, if you could speak to yourself uh, a decade ago, what leadership strategies would you tell yourself to embrace and which ones would you tell yourself to drop? Uh, I think the ones to embrace is being open to opportunity. Um, don't be afraid to um, take opportunities um, and collaborate with other companies. Um, and also, And the ones I think... I would say to drop would be well. That's a that's a difficult one to think. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I think I've always been quite good at trusting people, and I think that 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 is the one way you really just have to have the confidence to not micromanage people. Trust your people. I think that that would be the one I would strategy I'd say is not trying to be too. Um, obviously give the right support but yeah and of course a lot of leaders find that difficult the the whole letting go (laughs) process you're so intimately involved with every aspect of the business that you just want to get in there and do it uh but exactly it it is a sign of a good leader knowing when to say all right they've got this (laughs) yes i think that is that is the biggest and especially when it's it's your sort of business and you've been growing it uh over a number of years that is the most difficult i think that's one thing alan did teach me was he was very good at that. He would just sort of drop me in the deep end from a very early and let me get on with it. Um, and then we were, and I think that has given me some confidence to do that with, with our guys. And I, um, yeah, I hope we are continuing to do that. Now, if I was to press you to say who you thought objectively was the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? 
Well, that was a, a very good um, question. Um, I think I don't think I've ever been a, a, a perfect leader, uh, and it depends on what in what time um, people were specific um, to their time. Mm-hmm. Like I think Nelson Mandela was an incredible leader in his time um, through the apartheid um, process. I think he's very inspiring to come through what he went through and to keep his humanity and um, through that. Um, and, and then there's so many great scientific ones. Um, yeah, it's a good question to. Uh, to uh, and of course, Nelson, Nelson Mandela had the ability to bring South Africa back together. Yeah, uh, I think that's it. Yeah, bringing people together. That, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, very much so. Now, do you uh, find that you try and take inspiration from him in your day-to-day life? Yeah, I think that, that having that empathy, I think, is a really is a key thing. Trying to see things from both, both um, sides of any argument. I think having empathy is a really important, important um, skill to have. Now, unfortunately, our time together is very quickly drawing to its close. Uh, but before you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Petrolab? Uh, well, yeah, we've got a really exciting uh, 12 months. Um, we are just at the moment uh, applying for a Royal Society grant to um, help further our work we've been doing already um, on this huge uh, new, the industry of electrification and electric vehicles. We've been pioneering some new techniques in the analysis of, of the minerals and ores that will that will be used to um, it, it, in all those technologies going forward, and we've just actually presented at a, an IOM3 conference last week, uh, which brought sort of the UK leaders in that those industries um, together. Um, we've got lots of exciting projects all the way from the mining sector um, through. We also work in concrete and construction. Um, and also recently aerospace. We've got a really interesting project we're working on with Rolls-Royce, looking at um, dust ingestion into jet engines. So really broad range of uh, things coming in. I think that's one of the really exciting parts of our business is the range of um, uh, of, of work we get in and projects. And I think that just keeps it really fresh. And and we're still using the same um, tools and analysis techniques across different industries. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely an exciting year ahead. It sounds it. Uh, we'll have to have you back yeah. on the show soon to uh, catch yeah, up sure. on all those things. Uh, James, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you, and don't be a stranger. Thank you, Matthew. It's been great. Thank you. That was James Strongman, Principal Mineralogist and Director of Petrolab. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me and realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire. 
in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago. 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, had one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He um, He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that calibre, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the colour of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. 
And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved with my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially with South Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time... At, Maybe overly strict for the time. You probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in your organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of a group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up 
really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Um, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out now. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that, that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again the leadership that I'll show you, you got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, "Oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch." So that—I've uh, been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, in most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can think, tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a. a at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I had a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? 
so the chap had the bike, and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we... You've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. I, just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make me laugh that day. If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think. Um, you, you were a young man when this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps... Uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke, and of course in, uh, England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think. Some of the outstanding. I think the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals, or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that 
Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United. And subsequently, since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood. Yeah, the answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, good they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back on an earlier earlier question for me, the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't I... when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great and players. You... We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude <laughs> alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes uh, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, Jeff, uh, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. I don't think you can switch off. 
when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to, nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my, mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.